Hey, everybody. I'm Tyler Suters with the Consumer Technology Association. We are the owners and producers of CES, the largest, the most influential tech event on the planet. We are here to help you get CES ready. The big show is January 7th through the 10th, 2020, as always in Las Vegas. And today, a focus on C-Space at CES. Now, this is where we bring together the world's marketers, innovators, entertainment folk, you know, the creative set, all in a single venue. If you haven't been there yet, please take my advice. Get over there just once, and I bet you'll be a repeat customer or visitor year after year after year. This is where you find the disruptive trends that are changing the future of brand marketing and of entertainment. And we are each and every one of us, I bet, consumers of both of those. Also, you'll find leaders in content creation, the top advertising firms, major studios as well. And remember the definition of an entertainment studio is changing rapidly, right? So you'll find everyone there. So today we are talking about C-Space with two giants in the entertainment and content sector. First of all, a conversation with a leader from iHeartMedia. Now, if you're not quite sure how to define iHeart, first of all, I bet you listen to one of their affiliates or stations or iterations at some point every day or at least every week. It has the largest reach of any radio or TV outlet in America, and it is not limiting itself to just radio. A talk with its podcasting expert. Yes, a podcast about podcasts. I know. Start the meme right now. That's coming up with iHeartMedia. Also, we are connecting with Discovery Inc. This is a company with almost 7 billion monthly video views. Just full stop there to let that sink in. 7 billion monthly views. And on the other side of its platform, it's also um, Motor Trends, number one digital media platform for auto. Who, who knew, right? So it gives you an idea of the breadth and diversity of content that Discovery offers, but also it's branching out in the ways to get that content to you. All of that is coming up in today's conversation about CES C-Space today on CES Tech Talk. Joining us now is the president of iHeartMedia's podcast division, Connell Byrne. And Connell, it's great to have you with us, although with a little bit of a trepidation because you will know far more about the podcasting process than I ever will. Thank you guys so much for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Any chance I get to talk about this medium, which uh, which these days is at yet another tipping point or milestone, uh, I will take it. Thanks. Well, uh, you know, not trying to, to fake humility here. Though. I'm serious in terms of your area of, of, of expertise. Uh, I didn't realize this as we were researching our conversation. iHeart is consistently the number one publisher for podcasts. Uh, How did you get yourselves into that position? Yeah, there's a central ranker called PodTrack, which is sort of uh, the central ranker for the entire podcast industry. And iHeart Media is at the top of that ranker at about 23, 24 million unique listeners a month and a little over 150 million downloads a month. Um, We drive about 250 shows, many of those originals, many of those shows that originate as as broadcast radio shows that we then distribute as podcasts. We keep quality extremely high. We are very selective of the shows that we 
bring onto our network. And we have, I think, the strongest marketing and promotion muscle in the entire industry, uh, thanks to the fact that there's a little bit of a snowball effect here. Once you have 150 million downloads a month, you have a whole lot of uh, promotional power to launch a new podcast off of. And that's to speak nothing of the fact that surrounding us at iHeartRadio, you have 850 plus broadcast radio stations in 150 markets across the country. So all of those for me are, are the fastest and, and newest audio distribution platforms that I have access to, to tell people across the country in every market on broadcast radio about the awesome content we're making. So that, that kind of marketing muscle definitely helps keep you number one as you go more to month. <laughs> well, let's talk about iHeart and, and, and the strength and, and dominance it has. And to your point, the easiest way to make a million dollars is step one, start with a million dollars. And the easiest way to get all these downloads and listeners is, is to start with that many. But um, give us a quick uh, slice on where iHeart is right now in terms of size, scope, scale, and, and the depth and breadth of content that you're dealing with. We have about 250 shows that we count publicly. That means we actually have several hundred additional shows that we produce across the United States. Because if you think about it, in one way, iHeartMedia is just a collection of hundreds of different audio teams, broadcast radio and podcast teams across the country, testing, trying, learning about audio storytelling all the time. We only pick the biggest to count in our 250 publicly tracked shows. Uh, that drives about 150 plus million downloads a month and about 23, 24 million unique listeners a month. Now, that's just in the podcasting universe. Beyond that, iHeartMedia's reach through broadcast radio is really kind of incredible. They reach 9 out of 10 Americans a month across 850 plus broadcast radio stations in every market in the country. And that's in multiple formats from urban to country to pop talk radio. And so when, when you think about launching and, and growing 250 podcasts of every genre, some of these are history, true crime, general reference, food, travel, having that broadcast radio platform to distribute it on in different formats and in different markets, it really does help you get the word out about a new show. And every now and then, a show will come along like the one we launched in February, where we launched a, a podcast called The the Ron Burgundy podcast with Will Ferrell hosting. And we can bring to bear every single radio station in the United States to get the word out about that show. And that means that, you know, you're literally reaching eight, nine out of 10 Americans about a podcast. It does a ton to raise uh, the view of our network, but I think it actually does a ton to advance the whole industry uh, further. So it's, it's been, it's a pretty cool moment and it's a pretty cool company to be able to work at for this industry. Yeah. I was going to throw in a stay classy line, but really you can pick the Ron Burgundy <laughs> classic, uh, scripting line of, of your there. choice. No kidding. Big <laughs> exactly. fan, big fan. Well, so we do uh, a biannual sales and forecast reports here at CTA about the, the tech sector and who's buying what and, and, and the growth areas. Streaming video and audio is one of the success stories, significant success stories just in the recent reports about the growth there. Um, how did iHeart really leverage that opportunity to not make a binary choice between terrestrial over the air versus streaming, but to work through and, and in some sense find the synergy of, of both mediums uh, to drive business, to drive audience? 
I think the way that iHeart looks at it is just very unique. I, I think that iHeart is a truly distributed content model company. And that means that when you have great audio storytelling, whether it starts out as a podcast, like Stuff You Should Know, we've been publishing that show for over 11, 12 years. It just passed 1 billion downloads to date. <laughs> and it has about 1,500 episodes in the archive. Well, we just view broadcast radio as one more distribution point. It's not that it's different or, or over there or an afterthought. It's the same to us as distributing that show across a, the iHeartRadio app, the podcast section. And I think thinking of that platform, broadcast radio, as just another audio distribution point is a pretty unique way to look at it. That flows the other way, too, by the way. We have shows that originated broadcast radio shows every morning, like The Breakfast Club, that broadcasts out of Tribeca, New York City, every single morning as, as one of the biggest and best morning shows in the country. It's also one of the best and biggest podcasts in my industry. And that's just because it's great conversation and storytelling. We capture that audio file, distribute it out across podcast platforms, where it just crushes it month in, month out. It's usually in the top 50, if not better. So it, it, to put on your you know, startup mantle, so to speak, Connell, where do you guide folks, fans who say, I have a passion, I have an idea, I want to get started? I mean, looking way down the, or I guess I should say way upstream, right? Way up the ladder. How do you advise someone to get started, to get underway, to, to, to get into this medium? I come at it two different ways. One is pick a topic to podcast about that you won't stop talking about anyway. Uh, pick a topic that whether the microphone was on or off, you would be yammering on and on about, and then and then decide. That's my passion. So and, what, what would that be for and, you? Well, for me, that's probably history or music. Mm -hmm. uh, we have, I think, the best history slate of podcasts in the medium and music slate of podcasts. Like so many people in my industry, I started out in audio. I was in a music, uh, in a rock band in my early 20s. And uh, really what I was falling in love with was audio in all its, time, in all its form. And, and I think if you stick with a passion like that, it'll get you through the first year or two of podcasting, which can be, which can be tough. It's a, it's a medium where you have to work hard to tell a good story. But you take a creator like Jake Brennan. He launched a show called Disgraceland. Did it on his own for a couple of years. It's about true crime meets music. It's all the sort of darker parts of music, like Kurt Cobain and Phil Spector and everything in between. Disgraceland's gone on to be one of the biggest podcasts in the world. It's now in our network. Uh, but Jake really started it out with a passion point. He loves music and he likes the darker side of music. It might not be coincidental that Jake started out in a punk rock band in Boston. <laughs> um, so I, I would first start there. And the second advice I'd give is start right now. Podcasting is, has passed a few key milestones in the last five or six years, yes. We've gone from one out of four Americans actively listening to one out of three. That's 90 million Americans listening to podcasts every month now. But we're also about to pass a few more milestones. Um, podcasts aren't readily distributed yet on social media. You think about it, your Facebook feed is not filled with audio content, mostly video and pictures. That will change. Audio content will start to fill your Facebook feed. Android listeners don't make up a ton of podcast listeners right now. That will change too because we'll have better, easier accessible apps for Android listeners. So all of that, not to overcomplicate it, it's just to say, even though we're much bigger 
than we ever thought we would be. It's about the 2x again in the next three, four, or five years. So the time to get in for a new podcaster is right now. And then on the infrastructure side, Kyle, I mean, you have at a pretty high level everything you need to start a podcast on your phone in your hand right now, correct? You do. I mean, our, we do not make podcasts that way. We have great studios built out at Tier 1 in Atlanta, New York, and Los Angeles, where we record everybody from Will Ferrell to Chelsea Handler to Stephanie Rule. But yes, gear, equipment, quality of sound, those should not be barriers to entry for a new podcaster. Ideas rule in this medium, at least in part with. Yeah, and, and true to your earlier point, your distribution network is on your phone as well through the social app of your choice or maybe maybe all of those platforms. Um, looking ahead right. a few months, Connell, you are a CES veteran. Um, I'd assume C-Space is where you beeline when you get on the ground in Las Vegas every year. The, the gathering of the content and entertainment, the advertising and marketing, the, the media sector is all in one place. But what is your usual approach at CES? I usually use CES to try to get a sense of new audio distribution tech that's coming. Obviously, that's kind of two big buckets. How are people going to make and distribute content faster, easier, wider? And then on the ad tech side, how are advertisers going to be helped and supported with better ad tech? You know, a few years ago, dynamic ad insertion wasn't even a thing in my industry. Now it is prevalent. So stuff like that is, is going to be important at CES, and and I'll look at that. On the other side, I spent a lot of time with clients. Um, it means the world to me to have 100, 150 clients that we've been able to build an industry on, on the backs of. And any time I could spend with them to walk them through what we're making content-wise, I do. And CES is a great gathering ground for that. It's become really great for that. Uh, I think what you'll see in the next two or three years is the rise of more and more and higher and higher quality branded content in podcasting. So we'll have a few good conversations about that in the next few days. What is your typical workday at CES? Like how many meetings, what kind of hours? I, I, I'd assume you're nonstop from before sunrise to well after sunset. It's long. <laughs> it's long, especially <laughs> when, when I host, uh, the party of the festival and usually has a musical act like none other. And, and that party usually starts after hours, but you gear up and you make the most of it. I find CES is huge, but also really effective. If used right, you can get done like any really effective uh, large conference like this. You, you can get done weeks worth of work in, in just a couple days. If you, if you plan it out well, so I, it's usually a third, a third, a third. I, I will try to spend a third of my time with content creators a third of my time on tech, uh, be it content tech or ad serving tech, and then a third of my time with sales folks. Great. I, I hope in, in 2020 we can find like three to five percent to devote to discovery, right? Wander around being serendipitous. So <laughs> I know. Those, <laughs> hey. days, those days may be gone, but I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kyle, before, before you roll, uh, since you brought it up, tell us about your old rock band. What'd you play? I was a singer and a, a keyboardist and uh, like many musicians in my early 20s floated between several bands. Um, I think back in those days, like most of us, I just wanted to be U2. <laughs> and then <laughs> when I realized 
when I realized there already was a YouTube, um, I started to think about other other kinds of media and other ways to tell audio stories and ended up in podcasting a few years later. And um, I never looked back. It really sort of fit like a glove and I loved it. I, I feel like there's something about this medium that it is the oldest medium in the world is humans sitting around and telling each other good stories. It will never get old, and I'm very glad it's back again in a big way. Yeah, it's clearly worked out very well for you. Connell Byrne is president of iHeartMedia's podcast division, and trying to avoid talking about podcasts on our podcasts and make it all about podcasting, but he is an expert, and it's great to have his insight here. Connell, great to talk to you, my friend, and we'll see you in Las Vegas pretty soon. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Joining us now from the media giant Discovery, Inc. is Michael Bashara. He is Group Senior Vice President and General Manager of Direct-to-Consumer. Michael, I'm going to catch my breath after your title, but hey, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Well, thanks. Thank you. Terrific to be here. Uh, well, look, Discovery is going gangbusters right now. Third largest media company here in the U.S. And I'd imagine from your perspective, a key driver of that growth has to has to be finding consumers wherever they want to watch video. That's right. That's right. And, and really, when you look at sort of a core, a core focus, it's really about delivering consumer experiences that are sort of feeding uh, the passion of of these super fans. It's super important, and we do this on a sort of a global basis. Um, and uh, at least domestically within the United States. Um, I'm focused on our go-authenticated TVE apps where we're, we're sort of moving forward with those same principles and tenets with the consumer at the center point of the overall experience. So where do you see the consumer experience going? And I'll, I'll ask it from our end on those of us who are, who are watching and listening. Um, where's the trend? Is it, is it as simple to sum up as... We are watching more content than ever, and we're doing it in more places than ever. First of all, we own all of our content. And uh, when we look at expressing that on a global basis, um, really super serving these verticals, these deep verticals from automotive to golf to cycling to sports in general. Um, again, the consumer is at the, at the center of that conversation. It's not just um, simply taking that same content and making it available on multiple platforms. It's trying to determine what that truly unique consumer proposition that'll really elevate the conversation with the consumer, elevate the engagement with them and really create a unique, compelling offering, uh, a unique, compelling offering that's highly differentiated. Uh, unique and compelling uh, are certainly adjectives that apply to discovery and, and not just your content, but your approach as well, Michael. Um, how has discovery evolved uh, during your time there? And, and where do you see that path heading as far as um, you know, both the content you're putting together and also how you're sharing that, how you're leveraging technology to get it out? Yeah, well, first I would say it's an incredibly exciting time to be here. And um, uh, of course, one could probably say that if you're in the industry in general. Mm -hmm. But when you bring together sort of best in class, talent, um, best of breed brands, um, along with the energy and focus on the consumer and that passion to drive and grow, um, it really creates sort of, if you will, a perfect storm. And 
And as we as we look at that uh, from a digital standpoint, if I just look at um, domestically within the United States, our, our TV everywhere, our Go authenticated apps, and mm-hmm. how we have really strived to differentiate and create uh, unique propositions. Um, so on multiple levers, from from the Go proposition, our TV everywhere authenticated apps um, across multiple dimensions. So we're not just um, uh, putting content up for the sake of doing that, right? We're in essence offering 18 different apps that are authenticated with over 60,000 titles available at any given time to the consumer. It's the largest offering in the industry and really super important to not only be able to sort of catch up on the latest episode that you missed, or maybe you want to watch it live, uh, but maybe I, I want to go deeper into uh, the back catalog and maybe start, start a series from the beginning. So really uh, fulfilling on uh, sort of that, that promise to the, to the overall user, make everything available to them. Um, second thing is really around the user experience. And I, and I use that term broadly, uh, but the, uh, the user experience entails not only the app um, uh, or the software, if you will, that the consumer is in, engaging in, but it's also the advertising experience. And also, how are we authenticating and getting them through the door? So a couple of things that we've, we've done is really, um, you know, within the company, moving to a single tech stack and platform globally, which is which is super important for many, for many, many reasons, from quality, efficiency, and scale. Um, that allows us to create what I would say best-in-class user experiences that are that are relevant, personalized. Um, that when the user wants to access them, and we know TV everywhere has evolved over the last decade to a relatively cumbersome experience to much more frictionless with new technologies such as HBA, home-based authentication, and SSO or single sign-on. Um, we're employing all of these tech technologies in partnership with our affiliates, our distributors, to ensure that the consumer has a frictionless experience getting through the front door. But then also, of course, we, we monetize through advertising. And we need to sort of balance, if you will, the ad mode and the ad experience uh, relative to the consumer expectations. Um, so we're, we, we have a team that's dedicated to these elements that are continually looking to fine-tune and tweak the experience, balance the experience with monetization. Um, and we certainly hear directly from the consumers. We also have a dedicated team around customer care. And that's all that they do. They're listening to the consumer, either in the app stores, uh, through email, uh, through some will pick up the phone and even call. <laughs> and uh, we are we are absolutely um, very eager to hear from them. In fact, it's it's a tremendous opportunity to learn how we can improve and um, really exceed their expectations. Yeah, analog so communications. What a what a novel way to engage with the audience, right? <laughs> um, so, Michael, it happens once in a while. Yeah, yeah. You bring up the issue of advertising, um, and this may be a a wildly. Uh, over, overly simplified summary, but the role of technology there, it is, is it simply easier than ever to get to the audience that you want to reach or advertisers want to reach? I, is that a fair way just to give a, give a thumbnail of it, or is it just far too complex to, to leave it at that high level? No, you know, when, when I look at, um, you know, if you ask where are we moving towards and, and we've taken strides towards this in general, it would be one of sort of relevant, really across the board, a relevant consumer experience and um, relevant as far as the advertising experience as well. 
So um, that's that's where we're driving towards. So in essence, if I'm on a connected television platform and on the demographic of up, um, you know, the opportunity to be able to serve up a relevant ad uh, based on the psychographics and demographics of that user is is really where we're driving towards. And 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 we do some of that today, obviously. Also, the ability to be able to track for the advertiser to understand levels of engagement um, are, are super critical. So we work very closely with our um, ad sales partners and ad tech teams to ensure that we're, we're fulfilling on the overall requirements of, of the stakeholder community, which is not just, of course, we're very focused on the consumer, um, but the advertiser as well. Michael Bishara is Group Senior Vice President and General Manager of Direct-to-Consumer with Discovery, Inc., one of the largest media companies in the entire U.S., and obviously growing rapidly. Michael, pleasure to have you with us today, and yeah, we'll see you pretty soon out in Las Vegas. Thanks so much. Looking, looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Awesome conversations today, but okay, coming up next time, you're going to want to stick around. We're talking sports tech, and we're talking to a leader of one of the true global sports out there right now with an immense audience. F1 racing, auto racing. It's some of the most glamorous cities around the world. But the focus here is both on the fans that are fortunate enough to be able to attend these road race events, but also, and maybe perhaps more so, on all of us who don't go but still want to be engaged. Esports is such a huge part of what we do as well because it gives you that sort of first-person opportunity to experience roughly what it's like to be a Formula One car. All right, that is coming up next time on CES Tech Talk. And as always, we want you to be CES ready. You can subscribe to this podcast and so you won't miss a single episode as we're gearing up for the big show. Speaking of CES 2020, it's January 7th through the 10th in Las Vegas. The information you need is available at ces.tech. As always, none of this is possible without our true podcasting superstars, our executive producer, Tina Anthony, and our senior studio engineer, John Lindsay. You all are the best in the business. I'm Tyler Suters. Let's talk tech again soon.